Episode 14, Violent Crime Surges in Los Angeles. What's causing it to happen? This is the Crime School Radio Show, where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert, Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. On today's show, we're going to talk about the report of a sudden rise in crime in the city of Los Angeles. A press conference was held recently by Chief of Police Charlie Beck and Mayor Eric Garcetti. During that press conference, they revealed reports of a 67% increase in violent crime in downtown L.A. for the first six months of 2015. Now, you can imagine that this announcement was quite shocking, especially since they've been taking credit and bragging about a decade-long decline in reported crime. As you can imagine, city and county officials and the media are in a frenzy now over what caused it and what is the city doing about it to reverse this trend. In today's episode of Ask Chris, I'm responding to questions from the media as well. A news radio talk show host from KABC Radio named Peter Tilden called me, and he wanted to talk about the possible causes of this spike in crime. So let's listen to an excerpt from that show, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Talk Radio 790 KABC, Peter Tilden live, joined by Chris McGoey, host at CrimeSchool.com. I wanted to talk about the increase in crime after 12-year decline in L.A. I have some thoughts on it. I wanted to get an expert's thoughts on this. We recorded in L.A. a 12.7 increase in overall crime, and in some areas, like in LAPD's Central Division, violent crime has risen, ready for this, 67%. And I laughed because our mayor called that an uptick. 67% in the division is not an uptick. That's a disaster, 12.7%. When you have double-digit increases, it's insane. Chris, what do you think? I'm sure it's a multi-level answer. Yeah, of course it is. It's never one single thing, and I haven't been able to analyze these numbers. But this, this increase is based on last year, so there could be many things that have changed since last year. There could be a, uh, an increase in reporting. There could actually be an increase in more crime, and these numbers are, as they say, it could be a redefining of uh, classifications of crime. Could be a lot of things. There's probably a connection between emptying our jails because of overcrowding. Uh, so I think it's a combination of all things as it normally is. Well, and, and what do you, I mean, you, you've studied statistics before, not necessarily this. I come from Philly. Philly had a great police department with Mayor Rizzo. Every time there was an election, he said, don't, don't arrest prostitutes, don't arrest drug crimes, don't arrest this, don't arrest that. And you know what happens? Right before he runs, he says, look, crime, crime went down. Now, Chief Bratton came in and did broken windows. But we've heard he'd been, he'd been making the, the numbers for years. And so I don't even know what the real numbers are. Well, nobody does. It's uh, statistics. We, we have to work with what we have. And until the system has changed, that's all we could do. So now we're in an up mode. We've been down for years and years and years. Anybody who works in statistics knows that that's an impossible trend to maintain. There's got to be a cycle. There's got to be an up cycle. So we've definitely hit that now. It's just going up quick, and it's getting everyone's attention. Well, in, in LAPD Central Division, violent crime up 
7%? Who got the memo? Well, there's a lot of things going on in downtown. You know, not that many people live there. It's a commuter town. That town swells up during the day for business traffic, and it empties out at night. And what's left are the all the new condo owners who were talked into buying downtown and the homeless population. <laughs> By the way, I love how you said that all of those who were talked into, buy, <laughs> into buying downtown is like it was snake oil. Well, the statistics have always been skewed in downtown L.A. I've been working in L.A. for 37 years uh, on crime and crime prevention. The population count is low compared to most other parts of Los Angeles simply right. because of that commute factor. So the crime rate rate, the crime rate per population is always going to be higher than other parts because of that population anomaly. What do you think about, I was in an interesting conversation with some people today, fairly knowledgeable people who said, you know what, this putting 10,000 cops on the street, 12,000 cops on the street isn't the answer. The answer is more getting homeless people who, could, who are having problems, who are psychotic, who are um, schizophrenic off the street, getting them into places, putting the money in other areas rather than always going for, we'll, we'll try and uh, beat down the problem, arrest the problem, rather than nip the problem in the bud where it originates. Well, that's certainly part of the equation, because that's certainly the genesis of a lot of this crime. Putting more cops on the street gives a rise in reporting. Uh, but if you look at the other side of statistics, the, the arrest rate and the clearance rate, we can't arrest our way out of a rising crime rate. Now, it does work if you incarcerate people and, and a higher percentage of the bad guys are incarcerated. That works. But if we're letting them all out of jail now and we're lowering our standards so we're not prosecuting at the same rate or same intensity, crime rate uh, is bound to go up. As far as uh, crime prevention, most crimes occur on property that's private, not public. So the police are really just responding to crimes that have already occurred and they're taking a report. Unless their proactive patrol or their aggressive investigation allows them to arrest and take these guys off the street. So if we're not arresting or incarcerating at the same rate and we're putting more out on the street, then having more cops you know, on duty just, I wouldn't expect it to have an immediate impact. Are you hearing anything since you handle and talk about L.A. crime, like you said, that the gang crime is way, way up? Is that a huge factor right now? Because I'm not hearing that much gang stuff on the news. Yeah, I don't have the numbers. I mean, I was active working in L.A. in crime prevention back in the 80s and the 90s when, right. we, when we really had a gang situation. And most of sure. that was, you know, the cocaine and the drug wars. So we still have more than our share of gangs, and we have more than our share of gang activity. But a lot of the, the gang members were taken off the street by low-level low, low drug crimes. And well, now Garcetti and, and Chief Beck are saying, the first thing they mentioned, what the reason for the increase could be gang violence, then they saw rising homelessness, and then Prop 47. So I was wondering why they put gang violence first when I'm not hearing news reports or reporting every day about gang violence. Well, that, that's an interesting uh, question. You should see a correlation, shouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I would think so. And again, we've had it drop steadily since 2003. It is odd. You try and figure out what else is in the drinking water this year other than Prop 47. And I'd love to know... Are, are, if we're going to get statistics on those people who are released who are incarcerated again. You know what I mean? I'd love to see what the recidivism rate is there. Yeah, and looking at their history rather than just the last crime uh, that you said that they were arrested for. Yeah, absolutely. It makes, it makes me um, less than comfortable seeing the mayor and the, and the police chief read these numbers, especially, like I said, since we were all over it last year when they found out that the numbers they were reporting were way underreported and, and not accurate in a lot of sense. So 
Thank you for coming on. What else are you? What else do you do at CrimeSchool.com? Tell me about the site for a minute. Well, CrimeSchool.com. The subtitle is "Making Places Safe for People and Property." How does a private sector working with the police in partnership make places safe for people who use the property? And uh, give me an example. Well, I just did a uh, show a, a couple of weeks ago about uh, gang members taking over an apartment property and how that property owner can work to resolve that with the Los Angeles Police Department. I gave them step-by-step uh, directions how to work that through. It's Chris McGoey. Thank you so much. For, um, uh, thank you for coming on. It's crimeschool.com is the site. Your Twitter is, Twitter handles at Chris McGoey. And uh, we're talking about rising crime in Los Angeles, which is not a good trend. And hopefully it will not keep increasing because the numbers are astonishing at this point. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Peter. Welcome back to Crime School. I hope you enjoyed that little clip. It gave you a little background of what's going on in Los Angeles and kind of shaking everything up at the moment. So the question is, what's causing this spike in crime? Well, as I said it during the piece, it could be many things. Crime-wise, I mean, it could be a, a, a turf battle amongst local gangs. It could be a surge in drug activity. There could be some new player in town that's uh, generating some of this violent crime and criminal activity. Sometimes it'll be caused when you open a new entertainment venue or some large sports complex could draw a spike in crime that wasn't there before. The mayor thought it might have been a rising homeless problem and violence on uh, Skid Row. That's a possibility. It could be related to jail inmates being discharged during the overcrowding situation. Could be a result of Prop 47, like Chief Beck and Mayor Garcetti uh, were talking about, where they had to, again, release people from state prison and jail by downgrading felony crimes and convictions down the misdemeanors. There's certainly been a change in offender arrest for the same overcrowding reason. Uh, they simply cite more people now on the street and let them go rather than booking them in the jail because there's no room at the jail. It just could be a reporting issue only that the uh, crime reports to the FBI UCR system may be overreported, or it could be the fact that it was underreported in 2014 through, and through some error rebounded in 2015. We don't know for sure. More than likely, it's going to be a combination of several factors. Now, just to give you a little backstory about California and other states, how do we get ourselves in this situation where our Jails and prisons are just overflowing at the seams. Well, part of it has to do with our three-strike law. You may have it in your state, but in California uh, many years ago, legislation created this three-strike law policy. And what that was, it mandates the courts to impose harsher jail and prison sentences on habitual offenders. The sentencing threshold would require someone to have at least two prior crime convictions, usually serious felonies, and then a third. When they come before the court the third time, they're deemed to be habitual, and they get full or maximum sentencing. Well, this keeps people in our institutions longer, and they, they quickly crowd the system while waiting trial or while serving their lengthy sentences. The whole idea behind the original three-strike law was to keep those that are more likely to commit serious crime off the streets and basically separate repeat offenders from society. 
And they use that clever uh, baseball analogy of three strikes and you're out. Well, that made perfect sense to a lot of people. There was, of course, opponents to this type of policy because sometimes even a minor offense like shoplifting or some minor drug offense would cause someone to be deemed habitual and then suffer these long sentences. But also many believe that even though, yes, it's a radical policy, they credit the three-strike laws as being a major contributing factor in reducing crime in California over the past decade. And that's the reason why we've enjoyed declines for more than 10 years. Now, have we created a perfect storm, a perfect crime storm, if you will? We're putting people in jail at a high rate and for longer periods of time, but we ran out of room at the inn. The jails and prisons quickly became way overcrowded. The inmate congestion and conditions of housing was deplorable. Everyone agrees. There is no one saying that it's the right thing to do. It definitely had to be fixed. We either had to build more prisons, but the voters aren't voting for that option, or we need to reduce the population. So we need to let the people out somehow. So back in 2013 through 2014, the city and county of Los Angeles began an early release program. Now, this is not voluntary. The court is insisting that this occur. And they went through the process of identifying, quote, low-risk jail inmates be released early from their sentence from both prison and jail. Now, how is that relevant to this discussion? Well, just coincidentally, the largest jail complex in the United States is a combination of the Twin Towers and Men's Central Jail Correctional Facility. These are located in downtown Los Angeles in the Central Division. And that's the same division, by the way, that just had this 67 percent spike in violent crime. So is there a connection between jail inmates being let out of jail and sent out on the streets in downtown Los Angeles? You be the judge. We'll see how it shakes out as we investigate this further. You know, if you think about it, many jail inmates simply have nowhere to go. You're being told today that you're free to go. Your sentence is uh, done. You've served your time. Now, if they don't have mommy and daddy or a friend or some home to go to, they're simply going to be put out on the street. It's not going to be a limo waiting for them or an Uber driver to take them back to work or their apartment. They simply walk out of the door of the correctional facility and onto the public streets of downtown Los Angeles. Now, some, and might be many, end up in Skid Row. Now, Skid Row is a place where there are soup kitchens and there are some facilities but it's mainly the haven for homeless people on the street. Now, coincidentally, Chief Beck and Eric Garcetti are claiming that much of the rise in violent crime in downtown Los Angeles is in the Skid Row area. And it just seems to me to be coincidental that it might be connected to the, the recent policy of discharging inmates early from jail into those streets. Now, to further accelerate this overcrowding situation and get the jails back to a manageable standard, California voters in late 2014 passed Proposition 47. Prop 47 is a measure that authorizes the courts to reduce and reclassify certain felony drug and theft offenses down to only misdemeanors. Now, the impact of this, of course, means many things that those previously convicted on felony charges for these crimes 
once reduced to misdemeanor, usually equates to their time is already served and they're available for immediate discharge. What it also means is that those in state prison that have been convicted on felony charges, now when these convictions are downgraded, they're also released. Now, early reports seem to indicate that about 3,700 formerly convicted felons were released and are now back in society without serving their full sentence under these new guidelines. Now, of course, to comply with the regulations of Prop 47 and court orders, Los Angeles Police Department had to modify their arrest policy. They can't keep arresting people on felony charges and incarcerating them if the standards of arrest have changed. So they had to modify who gets arrested and who gets released. So now the officers on the street are finding themselves in a position where maybe last year they would book somebody in the jail for a felony. Now they're finding themselves writing a citation. And a citation, as you know, is a promise to appear in court at a future date instead of booking them into county jail. So that's leaving more people on the street. So a combination of offenders and convicted offenders being released from jail and prison and those who would normally be booked into jail are left on the streets. It just seems to me that that might be a factor in this rise in crime. In fact, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I'm screaming at the television news as all of this is being announced over the last year of what was coming. I was screaming at the monitor uh, about what's likely to happen because this is a, a, a major change and, and we're just not set up to deal with this criminal element on the street if they're simply discharged without any place to go or any options. You know, until these Los Angeles crime data is really studied, it's really too soon to tell which policy change, if any, had the greatest correlation to this recent crime spike. So let's talk about crime analysis for a second, because it well may turn out that this crime spike in Los Angeles is buried in the number somewhere. We need to make sure that it's reality and not a false positive. Now, crime analysis, as you can imagine, depends on accurate incident reporting from year to year. If you expect anyone to rely on these trends and make decisions and judgments and policy based on crime trends, they have to be reliable. They have to be accurate. Now, there is a system in place since 1935. The United States and the FBI established what's called the Uniform Crime Reports. This is a system to help report consistent and reliable data nationwide. Now, it only tracks eight part one crimes. That makes up four violent type crimes, crimes against persons and four property crimes. Go into more detail about that later. But that's tracked consistently across the country. Most law enforcement agencies in the United States participate and they file monthly part one and part two crime reports to the FBI. And that kind of represents a cross-section of crime that affects about 93% of the population. So it kind of gives us a thumbnail sketch of relative crime rates from city to city, neighborhood to neighborhood. Now, the public in the criminal justice system relies on law enforcement agencies to accurately create incident reports and to correctly report this crime data, these reports that they're generating, to this UCR system and the FBI every month. The crime reports submitted to the UCR are supposed to reflect the police officer-generated reports 
and not be pled down, adjudicated version of the charge. Once all this data is collected, it's published in monthly and semi-annual reports to the public in general. And then lots of people use that data as, again, their thumbnail sketch. It's used by law enforcement commanders, uh, the media, politicians use it, and the business community uses it to make judgments about the crime rate in cities and neighborhoods. It's also kind of a barometer about how things are going and for public relations purposes. Now, crime data, like any other numerical accounting system, requires accuracy and integrity if it's going to have any credibility. In my experience, anytime there are incentives or chastisement connected to the rise or fall of crime statistics, there's going to be a motivation to manipulate the numbers. So independent audit and scrutiny are needed. It's interesting to note that the Los Angeles Times newspaper, they sometimes act like a watchdog, and they're always looking over the shoulder of public agencies, especially the police departments or the sheriff. Back in 2012, and for a year, they studied the Los Angeles Police Department incident reports, and they focused on violent crime. And during that time, they discovered nearly 1,200 violent crimes were misclassified by the LAPD, and they included hundreds of robberies, stabbings, and beatings. Now, I went back and reviewed this LA Times article. It was published in August 2014. According to their report, most of the misclassified crimes involving underreporting aggravated assaults as simple assaults. Now, why does that make a difference? Well, if you're familiar with the FBI Uniform Crime Reporting System, Part 1 crimes have a category for aggravated assaults, but not simple assault. So by simply labeling or reporting aggravated assault down to a lesser simple assault, it will bypass the reporting and thereby understate the part one violent crime that's published for your city. Now, during that study, the LA Times found a difference of about 14% in underreporting. Now, if this was an intentional decision, it would falsely indicate that violent crime is being controlled in Los Angeles when it's not. Even if the misclassification and reporting was made in error, it would affect policy decisions going forward about enforcement, about budgets, about allocation of resources. So having inaccurate data serves no purpose other than good public relations or fear of bad public relations. You know, I don't know at this time what policy changes are being made by LAPD to increase the accuracy in reporting. But I do know that many thousands of reports are generated in the city of Los Angeles, and it is a very complex task to accurately capture all this data and report it correctly. You know, like any accounting system, underreporting numbers will eventually lead to a spike in trends when errors are caught or exposed and accurate reporting levels prevail. It's too soon for me to tell what will shake out over the investigation into the Los Angeles crime surge. If errors are involved in the crime trend, it should self-correct, and we should see in the next reporting that numbers will equalize or flatten out. If the higher crime rate continues, then it's telling us the story that we indeed have a problem, and our policy changes and emptying out of our prisons without really a plan on the street is not going to cut it. And we need to give a more comprehensive thought to a plan to tie up both ends of this situation. 
I'm sure that by now, all relevant agencies within the city and county of Los Angeles were given a mandate to analyze the data at a macro level and try to make sense out of it all and come up with recommendations at a plan going forward. When I become aware of these things, I will update these show notes and pass that information on to you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it created some food for thought and that you will continue to listen and participate in Crime School. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I try to present a variety of educational topics, but keeping with the theme of making places safe for people and property. The subject matter of Crime School is influenced by your feedback, so I encourage you to tell me about your ideas for future discussion. I'm always looking for a guest. If you have a particular crime or loss prevention expertise, you have a special legal background about liability, you have an interesting crime prevention product to review, or if you're a crime victim with a motivating story and outcome to share, I want to talk to you. Now, I'm not very active on social media. I'm old. What could I say? I don't quite get it, but I'm trying to learn. Meanwhile, I appreciate those who are active in social media to share these episodes to attract others who may want to learn and benefit from this content. In fact, if you have an iTunes account and you want to help others find Crime School, please leave us a five-star rating and review. That will really help us be discovered. I invite you to join the Crime School community. We're all like-minded people. You could provide your email address on any web page, any opt-in form on the Crime School website. In this way, you'll receive immediate notification of any new audio or video episodes published, or any special events for that matter. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.